Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenants? Specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry. <laughs> With yours truly, Dave Clay. Uh, there's an old saying that you don't know what you've lost until it's gone. And <laughs> though it's an old saying, uh, and not that. Every old saying necessarily is a true saying. I think there's a lot of truth to this. You don't know what you've lost until it's gone. And with that then, it is indeed at least minimally a truism. Does that make it worthy of basing your life upon? I'm not sure. Uh, something you might want to lose, and uh, that would be great. But it does seem like once you realize how great whatever it is that's been lost, then all of a sudden that certainly not only becomes a potential truism, but a way to live your life, a thing to live your life by. Luke chapter 15, verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Luke 15 is just about that. Not necessarily famine, but loss. Lost. God's intention is to reclaim all that is lost. Uh, The lost sheep, the lost coin, and now... In Luke chapter 15, the lost son. And should the last, another one of those things, last but not least, the son is as important or even more so important than sheep and coins. And with that, I don't know necessarily that in the sense that Jesus taught in such parables, we might call them metaphors in sort of a today context that he necessarily meant anything but (laughs) that sheep and he was a shepherd and we're the sheep and with that the coin and even should it be that it would not necessarily have such spiritual sort of metaphorical such a sort of overtones and parable context the last one (laughs) about The lost son isn't obvious. It's both. It's very parable-like and metaphorical, but it's very literal. God loves us. And should there be any confusion, I'm going to go ahead and read the passage and possibly then reflect upon it. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and this is Jesus. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falleth, or yes, that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he spent him, or he sent him, into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, 
and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father but he, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. And that was verses of Luke 15. Verses 11 through 24. We all know that parable. It is sentinel to most of our Christian upbringing. If you've ever attended Sunday school class, ever attended a church service in your entire life, if you've ever read the Bible, if you've ever known anybody who's read the Bible, if you do not know specifically the parable of the lost son, you know the whole Bible is about the lost son. And who would that be? It's not necessarily son or daughter, man or woman. It's all of us. It's all of us. And who would the king be or who would the, the um, father be but the king or who would the king be but God? And with that then, we've taken our inheritance and squandered it. And certainly as much as, again, Luke 15 begins with lost sheep and continues with lost coins and now ends with lost sons, there is a transactional aspect to all of this. Even sheep, who, which was, whom were, very important then and possibly now if you're hungry. <laughs> and that's all you've got is a herd of sheep. And that's your food supply and you could count on that. You're going to take care of it. And to lose one is of great value uh, when it comes to survival, when it comes to such things as eating and hunger. But at the same time, you're going to take care of it. <laughs> And with that, if it's not the sheep itself, then the coin. The coin buys you. It's a secondary reinforcer, but it buys you a primary, which is food for your belly when you're hungry. And man, though, does not live by bread alone. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, uh, as much Jesus was, re or I guess, retort was uh, speaking to the devil or Satan as he was tempting him in the wilderness. Uh, it does apply, though. When you're hungry, God knows we need food. And if you're going to, in a transactional sort of way, bring some degree of relevance or significance to a principle or a concept, wisdom even, what you've got to do is you've got to at least <laughs> hit it or hit them where it matters. And especially if they're lost, if they don't understand. Now, again, sheep are important. Coins are important. And the lost son discovered money was important. There was an inheritance. 
And you can look at this story, this metaphor, this parable, or maybe in some ways very much not even metaphor parable. It happened. You can look at this, because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all squandered our inheritance in that same sort of way and need salvation, redemption, and God open-armed, receives us back, and certainly he offers as much the fatted calf. It would be Jesus as the sacrificial lamb who would then atone for our sins and provide us passageway back and be restored again into or unto the house of God and our rightful heirship, I suppose, what we're inherited, what we're due. And why are we do it? Not because of anything that we've done or we do, but that God loves us. And that's part of the plan. It's We're part of the family. And you're really never not part of the family until you reject. And in that, the least the prodigal uh, knew best to reach back out to his father and count on grace and mercy to forgive, to restore. Those are all... In the Bible, there are central messages of salvation. Nothing intentioned to minimize that. Those are all the essential elements in this parable. This passage I've read to you on the podcast today is the message of salvation. But I'm one of those individuals who would want to hold on to (laughs) rather than lose. Now, you can probably do too much, and that's maybe the whole point of the podcast. When you begin to see it all transactionally or only transactionally, and then you try to hold on to all these things, sheep and coins, and even your inheritance in a material sort of way, you've missed the point. Yes, those things come with our inheritance, but the kingdom of heaven is more important than necessarily the kingdom of God. If you should see it as with heaven, we're talking more spiritual and eternal sort of dimensions. The kingdom of God, again, may be more Old Testament, transactional, but nonetheless, the two go hand in hand. But you don't know if lost until it's gone. Why squander the wisdom of this parable? Why squander or throw away your rightful inheritance? Why leave the house? Why leave the kingdom of God? Why chase after things of the world? Why be tempted? Go back to the temptation of Christ. Why even be tempted, as he was in the wilderness by the devil? Why be even tempted such? Not that... Jesus chose to be tempted because it possibly is then all of us to be tempted. But why would you ignore the obviousness? It's pretty good here. Why do I want to leave? It's pretty good here. Why do I want to change it? It's pretty good here. Why do we need to do it too differently? Then you can say, well, it's creativity in a, in a transactional sense. Creativity dictates something dies so that something else might live. And that's just transformation, transfiguration, translation, transfiguration. All of that stuff. And that's true in both material with the translation and spiritual transfiguration sort of terms. New bodies, new creatures in Christ. But at the same time, what we're really wanting to hold on to here is that the son squandered the wisdom, which is 
first and foremost, spiritual. It's kingdom of heaven stuff. It's what proceedeth out of the mouth of God stuff. It's not the bread alone. The bread follows. But if you're unwise, and how do we know that? You throw it all away to chase after something that sparkles and glitters and seems like it's new and exciting and different. And Why do you want to join yourself to the world? What is the point of that if in context of the podcast, that I'm trying to present the podcast, all it means is that you're going to be in the pig pen and hungry and maybe in that sort of way feeling like you've thrown it all away. And once it's gone, I'm not saying that there's anything that God can't raise from the dead or restore. Lazarus, come forth. Uh, Jesus, out of the grave, uh, our redemption. Uh, I'm a new creature in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ. That is always but part of God's plan. It's part of our inheritance as well. And possibly in that way, we have to realize maybe this is a journey we all must take. All are born into original sin and need salvation. But once you have it, don't throw it away. Humanism is not the answer. The lost should not be leading you. They're lost. If you're into humanism and implicit in that, then analogous to, synonymous with being lost, then don't go chasing after the Pied Piper. It just leads you astray. It just leads you more out of the weeds. And should you not really understand this, then maybe that is the whole point. Maybe we all have to confess our lost sort of state and condition, come to the end of ourselves before we can really begin to realize. You don't know what you've lost till it's gone. And then cry out, God help me, Jesus save me. And I love that, don't you? That he's right there with open arms to receive you. I'm concerned, though, that people are more inclined to be like the brother. And I'm going to finish the podcast today by picking up with verse chapter 15. Now, picking back up with verse 25. Now, his elder son was in the field... And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he, answering, said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress. I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, who hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatty calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was fitting that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost 
and is found. Now, why is it important that we have verses 25 through 32? Because was the brother saved? Yes. Was he secured? Yes. But he wasn't saved under realizing the wisdom is not that material things, sheep, fatty calf, lost coins, even your material inheritance, even your duty unto God, your being a best servant that you could be unto God is going to save you. The Old Testament can't do that because the Old Testament is for the sake of translation about the flesh and the humanity. And if God's willing to translate the kingdom of heaven so that we might understand it in kingdom of God terms, parables, Jesus taught in parables, then the wisdom is, listen, because though we can't of ourselves in natural dimension begin to understand any of the kingdom of heaven stuff, God doesn't want to withhold that from us. Why? Because we won't cooperate. And if we don't cooperate, we'll end up like the elder son who is mad and angry because he did what he's supposed to do. And he didn't get nearly as good as the brother who didn't. But even that, when you think of it that way, is the wrong way. That's Old Testament way of thinking about it. We need to see it in transfiguration terms. Mount of transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. Jesus, as was turned into light. And with that, we too, so that the spiritual may be emphasized, the kingdom of heaven may be emphasized over the kingdom of God. But if we're willing to see it in those ways, as with what the real message of salvation is, that's when we really discover our salvation. We really discover this isn't about the world. It is. We're here to tend the garden, as they used to say, another one of those old sayings. But at the same time, though, we're not going to save ourselves. We're not going to save our flesh. We're not going to save the world. It's not ours to save the material dimensions. It, too, will pass. (laughs) Everything materially is going to pass. Your body will pass. Don't get hung up on that, or you're going to be angry. (laughs) Don't get hung up on that because it doesn't seem right. But it's all right because the emphasis isn't upon the material world, climate change, environmentalists. It's not about economies. It's not about famines in the land. It's not about who's your kingdom you're going to be others. (laughs) Some of which are not saved, folks. They're heathen. Uh, The Gentiles, as would be then with the Hebrew people, those that were of Belial, the kingdoms of lesser dimension, they're going to come and they're going to go, but they're not sustainable. Why? Because they're not attached to the God of all creation, the God above all gods, and his son, Jesus Christ, who saves us, not through our flesh, but through the Spirit. The wisdom is, it's not about the flesh. The wisdom is, it's about wisdom. 
It's about Holy Spirit. And don't squander your wisdom or you'll become foolish and stupid. And you'll look foolish and stupid because you'll go the way of the worm. You'll go the way of the rest of the lost. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. And I suppose that includes the United States of America. And whether or not you are patriotic or not patriotic, which there's nothing wrong with being patriotic. Whether you're a traditionalist or not a traditionalist, there's nothing wrong with that. Things change. What's wrong with the United States of America is we are squandering our inheritance. We're chasing after the world. Don't be surprised if you don't end up in the pig pen. Will God restore? Yes, but he's not going to restore us on the basis of our material existence, except that it might serve a godly purpose. And I do believe even Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar is a good example. Even Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, served a godly purpose, and thus God put him in the position he was, Nebuchadnezzar. But he had feet of clay. (laughs) And... You won't survive. You need a foundation. And that's the wisdom. What this is really all about is salvation. But it's about allowing God to restore the wisdom. The common sense that you were born with. Don't chase after rainbows. (laughs) It won't work. Chase after the Heavenly Father. Chase after the glory of God. Chase after the presence of God. Chase after, and not that you're going to earn it, but be inclined to it. Cooperate. Chase after. Cooperate with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And you will always abide in the house of the Lord forever. The kingdom of heaven will always be yours. You will have a place, Mephibosheth, at the table, David's table. You will always have place at the table. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. But more, you'll always be one with Jesus Christ and thus one with God. And your inheritance is genuinely God. That's what your inheritance is. Don't throw it away. The world doesn't know. The European Union doesn't know. The World Health Organization doesn't know. United Nations, they do not know. Harvard does not know. Yale does not know. Unless they know Jesus. We know Jesus. And we serve a risen Savior. What's this got to do with counseling? Everything. Because I want to impart unto you wisdom. I want to give you the best I got. And if I haven't been convincing enough on the podcast, and you should need a little more convincing, certainly you come see me. Come see us at Covenants, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. Go see your pastor. I'm not saying we're better. I'm not saying we're different. I'm saying there's certain contexts and certain issues that we might do a little differently than your pastor, but we have training in that. I've got a lot of education, which is not exalted above God. It's not exalted above the Holy Spirit. But I've got education, and I understand humanism. (laughs) And so I can help you to align your humanity better, or at least identify where the devil's tricking you to keep you from aligning yourself rightly with God, 
But it all begins with accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's no difference in the message. Jesus is salvation. The Holy Spirit is wisdom. God is liberal, James, in wanting and desiring and does impart unto you all wisdom. First and second Peter, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. You'll be fruitful in all things. I think it's second Peter. You'll have access. It's the Hebrews for rest. It's everything you've ever wanted. But I could untangle the mess a little differently in the sense that certainly for the lost, they may come to me when they may not go to a pastor because they're scared. They know they're lost and they don't want to admit it. But not that I trick them, but they may seek and receive wisdom from me because I offer at least some of that in a different sort of way. But it's never without acknowledgement of Christian, Christ, Bible, Holy Spirit, Old and New Testament, salvation, all of those things. That's why I'm on the podcast, not only to encourage you, especially if I don't get a chance to see you, which we don't get to meet personally, at least I can encourage you, share with you the best I know, maybe even let you know you're not going to find it in psychology or psychological counseling. It can help because there's things about that, again, that I'm trained in that might be useful. But your salvation comes from Jesus. But that's why we do the podcast. I want everybody to know that. That's why I call it Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. You can know the difference between me and what we're offering through the podcast, if there should be any doubt, through the podcast, and then through my testimony. This is my testimony. And should that be important to you, which I hope it would be, you can come see us if you desire. Or you can just listen to the podcast. You can go to church. Be part of the Wednesday night service, the Sunday morning service, the Sunday night service. Be part of your church community. Should you want to get a hold of us, though, you can call 304-528-9220. Covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com.com. Covenantsonline.com. You can catch us on Facebook at Covenants. And yes, now the podcast, not only on the platform that you may be receiving or listening to it on today, receiving it from, or it's delivered unto you by way of on the podcast today, but you can find this now on YouTube. We're not visual, but YouTube has podcasts too. And it's audio. But we're there, and you can find us there as well, at Covenants. So wherever you go, however you reach out to us, in whatever measure or manner you would want, we want to be accessible, and we want to be helpful, and we want to be there for you. And should you need specialized pastoral care, services, Christian counseling, you might want to give us a thought, especially if you're comparing us to people who aren't Christian or don't use that or apply that in their clinical work. We offer that in clinical terms, but on a Christian platform. That's the foundation. It, I think, is a point of distinction, and it distinguishes us, I believe, properly so, from everyone else. We don't compete with them clinically because we have the answer in God. If they're Christian and 
They have a relationship with Christ. I'm not saying they can't use it in the same way we do. I'm not even saying your pastor can't be smart and use that, those, that knowledge, those techniques that we've learned in school, that I've learned in school. But if you need us, <laughs> we're there. And I want to invite you back to our next edition of What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. And until then, I want to just say, be blessed and thanks.